Hi, welcome back to Meta Minutes, your bite-sized pieces of the Metaverse. My name is Rene, and today we're going to talk about Metaverse 1 and much, much more. And for this, I'm honored to have a special expert guest today and also a fellow Microsoft MVP, Vesa Nopanen. Hi, Vesa. How are you today? Hi, Rene. I'm really doing well today, and um, thank you for inviting me. Uh, we're glad to have you. First things first, uh, please introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background as it relates to the Metaverse and, of course, collaboration and what have you. All right. My name is Vesan Panem. I'm a principal consultant for Metaverse and Future of Work here at Sulava, uh, which is a Finnish uh, IT company. And my background, well, my IT background extends up some, to something like 30 years. So, yeah, I'm old. But uh, for the Metaverse side, uh, I've been really doing stuff for recent, I don't know, five years, perhaps uh, five to six years. Uh, when the first HoloLens came out, that was kind of a big moment uh, with the mixed reality and everything started to uh, move forward from there. And of course, I'm, I was involved with Teams Nation before and, and when we had HoloLens 2, things started to change as well. So we at Teams Nation, we had some mixed reality sessions as well, as Rene, you might remember. And uh, so uh, it's kind of accumulated from there. And uh, so past few years, I've been focusing more and more on the metaverse and the future of work, which combined together really well in my mind. So perhaps that's a kind of short version of a very, very long story. Awesome. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, connect, right? Well, at least at least it's it's having now its portal ecosystem and the technology, the time of flight inside of the... I mean, for the Azure Connector, developed a pretty amazing new technology in terms of time of flight. Um, that They also won a bunch of best papers for that technology. And so at least this technology is going to move forward with vendors. And so that's pretty awesome. But yeah, I mean, having developed also for all three connects, it was sad to hear the news about the discontinuation of the connect development kit but anyhow I, I, I mean I think it's the same for you it didn't it didn't surprise us at this point anymore no but then again we got some nice news about MRTK3 which went under the github as its own company and it's going to come GA on September so there's kind of things come and things go and we adapt of course and then find the way to utilize these tools the best way yeah. we can. Yeah, that's and, what we that's what we do, yeah. right? Constant adaptation. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what happens in IT oftentimes. Is what yes, happens. and there's so much more. You like with the with the Azure digital twins, machine learning, and everything you can IoT. You can bring them together and work towards the metaverse from there. So, yeah. so what I really love about this uh, that's part of my background. I'm a bit of generalist. Generalist. I'm everywhere in in that sense. And uh, so I like to combine things uh, because I have a very strong collaboration background and I want to bring that mixed reality, augmented reality, metaverse into that and, and see how they complement each other. So, so that's one of the key drivers for me, why I'm interested about things. And on, of course, on the metaverse, I just have to mention, yes, uh, we are fellow MVPs now. I'm also got the I'm Microsoft 365 um, of apps and services, but of course I got the mixed reality MVP this summer, so I'm really happy to be, awesome. be in that process as well. 
well that's that's uh, good and uh, well very much resolved um because you do amazing stuff like for example the metaverse one conference which we're going to talk about now um so there's this conference you're organizing it's happening in september 2023 again i think you also had it in 2022 the conference is called metaverse one uh, so tell us a little bit about it and also tell us um that's the question i always ask every guest uh, what is the metaverse for you and where do you see the potential opportunities? Okay, so two questions, two long answers, right? Uh, metaverse okay. One, uh, of course, it's a community conference for metaverse. Uh, we are a lot uh, focusing a lot on the Microsoft metaverse stack and, and uh, on Microsoft stack any, uh, overall, but we also have speakers beyond the Microsoft ecosystem. So because metaverse is not just one technology, it's a combination of everything that's that's happening so in the metaverse one we have 45 sessions and so we have a very very long day uh, running from european time uh, from early morning to the late evening and we will have four simultaneous rooms so there's going to be sessions happening with different teams all the time and and there's over 50 speakers so that so it's uh, very very amazing to see how the community is coming together to provide this kind of information for free for everyone because that's what the community is about sharing things and uh, so i've been very uh, i'm very very happy that uh, we've, uh, we will have a chef deeper doing a keynote video uh, this time because of the time zone difference that's why is doing the video and we have other Microsoft speakers as well uh, from the mesh team Hune Kaufman and uh, Katsi Moya are there so cool. it's uh, it's it's really great seeing okay what kind of content they will bring in and of course Karuana Katimu who will do the basically the end keynote began uh, so talk about metaverse and AI so everything is is very very exciting for me and I'm I feel privileged that I'm there organizing that conference and bringing things together. So don't miss it out, but please join in and, and learn from, from the experts. And what is the metaverse for me? You wanted this too long question, <laughs> too long answers. And um, for me, the metaverse is bringing things together uh, in that sense. For me, it is not just the virtual worlds where you can travel uh, from spaces and worlds uh, to, from one to another, but instead, metaverse is everything where we are in that sense. We have a digital layer on top of this physical world, and we are all the time connected to the cloud already. We've been doing that for uh, ten years now, and uh, so we we don't the the location doesn't really matter. But the metaverse will also bring in the spatial part of the world. So you will have more functionalities or more information depending on where you are. And the mixed reality, augmented reality is one of those things. So you can see to this different world. Perhaps you have information about the building. You have something, uh, some other data there. Or you have a hybrid meeting with other, each other. So some people are in the physical rooms and some people are virtual rooms. and so some people are in the other physical room where it's just everybody is augmented to work together. So, so I, I really like the sci-fi aspect of that. That's how my uh, my thinking has started to go on because uh, it just brings everything in a sense together and, and you are always connect, 
connected to the AI, to the, to the cloud, to, to the world in that sense. And of course, when you are in a uh, virtual world, then you are getting information from the physical world there. Uh, this is not the new stuff, uh, because when I started my career, uh, I was actually working in a paper mill, and, uh, so, and in the paper mill industry uh, as a software developer. And my, one of my first projects was uh, dealing with that, uh, how we are running the factory. And so we had all the time uh, IoT already back then in 90s, because, hey, we, uh, we didn't call it IoT. It was just sensors and connected information, accumulating information, predicting something, doing that. So in a sense, it was a very, very beta or early version of a digital twin that was happening, but uh, it wasn't visualized. So, so how I see that the world has been going on faster and faster, giving us more capabilities to kind of visualize the, the virtual world to the physical one and back. So sorry, I don't have a short answer. Everybody has a different answer for what is the metaverse. But, but for me, it's kind of a combination that, that enables us to do a lot more than we can do today. Yeah. Um, and I agree also with that aspect you mentioned about bringing a real world sensor data on or um, you know, basically telemetry, but uh, mm. from the real world into the mix, and uh, like you know, embedding the real world into computing. And I think this is also what gets really interesting when we hear about terms of the industrial materials, like you, like you're saying, right? Like uh, we had different names maybe for that, but these concepts have been around for quite a while. But now we have are at this inflection point where we have these high end visualizations available. We have these photorealistic rendering capabilities. Uh, becoming more and more standard, even on like lightweight devices. So you don't even need like a full-fledged uh, expensive graphics card for some some very good visuals today. Um, plus, you have uh, you know broadband internet, you have five G, you have connectivity, uh, you, and then of course the another component, a very important component for that is of course the whole AI aspect of it, mm -hmm. uh, which we're going to tackle uh, in another question. But let me let me ask you first things first, because like I said, we have been uh, tinkering around with these concepts and and uh, also solutions for quite a while, and and of course still we're we're still at very much at the beginning of the metaverse journey, and there's many many more years we will ha have ahead of us in terms of adoption. Um, so what do you think are actually the main challenges the metaverse is facing for wider enterprise adoption? and also for enhanced collaboration opportunities, right? And how can we overcome those challenges? Um, I, I think you said the magic word, how we are going to overcome. One of those is adoption, where people need to see the benefits it provides to them uh, before they start adopting it wide, uh, very widely. And that's kind of a part of a chicken and the egg problem. People are, some people are really enthusiastic about that, like me, because we can, uh, kind of we have imagination to think about, okay, what it will bring to us. But most of the people don't think like that. They, they just want to get the job done and everything uh, ready there. So for them, it's kind of a, they need to see what it can do. That That's one part. Like they need to have the use cases and scenarios. And on business side, they need to also see the value return of investment there. So, so they can see, okay, this new way to collaborate together in a virtual world can bring benefits. It can have kind of a 
bonus points there and uh, more he- better health care or better mental health or your less traveling, less travel costs. So there's going to be a lot of aspects there. And a lot of companies are curious, okay, how it can enhance learning, how it can enhance uh, rehearsing some specific situations in the physical world. And so you can do those training routines over and over again, if you like, just like the uh, airplane pilots are training in simulators and astronauts and every, everybody in there are training to, so they can uh, do the proper things when, uh, when, when they are in the real world. For example, if you are training for emergency, that's when you don't really uh, have time to think about. You just have to have it in your brain, uh, like path is ready. But but why? Uh, when we are going to be seeing that? Okay, there's the technology aspect. Like you said, technology is advancing a lot, but the headsets are not that light. <laughs> they they are not that small these days. Uh, let me think. Perhaps yeah, it's it's kind of a. You, you take the MetaQuest Pro, you know, it's not a lightweight device. So, so uh, if you put that on, it's cumbersome and, and so on. We really need the mixed reality onto this. Yep. And uh, that, that's going to be a big thing. But uh, technology needs to be evolving for that more and more. And uh, that's one part of the adoption. The other part, of course, we can run it in 2D, but we are missing something. So the answer is somewhere between. So we need people who are paving the road. We need the people who are adopting it first, sharing, experiencing, showing use cases, telling people what works and what doesn't. And eventually, yes, we are getting there. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in a year. But there's going to be more and more uh, use cases where we can adopt Metaverse into use and, and see the possibilities there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, like you're saying. It's the most important part is you gotta show value. You gotta show um, that there's cost savings involved and so on. Um, I can give you also an example. Uh, we recently developed a custom a metaverse platform for a client of us. Um, it's we didn't use an existing um, platform because it it didn't fulfill the requirements. So we developed it from scratch, basically with Unity, um, integrating Ready Player Me avatars. And then the whole kind of our own networking stack. Anyhow, why? What is the use case? Basically, this company produces toys. Uh, it's uh, one of the largest toy manufacturers, and they have a need because they have a distributed team. Like their design team is in one country, the marketing team is in another country, and then the engineering production is also in another country. And all these these kind of three teams, they need to sing, they need to have meetings when they create a new toy. And uh, I mean, you know that, but maybe for the rest of the audience, like mm-hmm. any any product you can buy today, pretty much any product is first designed with 3D tools, with CAD, uh, computer aided design, CAT tools um, are used to design the shape and the form, also of the packaging. All of that is done in 3D with 3D tools. And so what this company was doing um, before we gave them our platform was basically having design review meetings in Teams, in Zoom, in 2D online meetings tools with screen sharing. And so then they could only see the 3D models in a 2D projection, right? And so now they they can load these 3D models in a 3D world where they can meet each other as avatars and they can communicate worldwide, globally, and they can also make directly changes on the 3D models, which are then, um, you know, sent back, so be directional into the... uh, 
into their kind of system where in the database and so on, right? And so that goes really then into production. And this is this is one of the benefits, right? Which of course you you won't see it public anywhere. It's like these projects, right, that you, you don't talk about because of NDA and so on. Um, but there's a bunch of that stuff happening at the moment and people realize there's benefits, right? Yeah. Uh, but also for the consumer side of things. I mean, look at Roblox, right? 250 million monthly users, might be even more now. Um, all these other online games, there are so many active users and especially Roblox is an interesting beast, but also Minecraft, of course, uh, because they are, these are not just games. These are actually platforms where you can build low-code, no-code experiences. And they they were they have a wide adoption. They are being used every day. So on one hand, you might say, okay, we have the early versions of the meta was already here. We're using it actually. On the yeah. second day, you might say, okay, there's more coming, right? Yeah. And uh, this is really just the beginning we're currently having here. Yeah, I think you said the magic word there. That's one of those things that's going to expand the metaverse usage. It's the low code slash no code because more easier it is to create content or worlds, then the, the more there will be. So, so you will have more adaptions. And I really like the use case you told about, okay, why the 3D is important. Uh, every manufacturer who is doing physical objects should be doing that exactly because it's going to save them a lot of time and and, and kind of money. But, uh, and I really like also that you had the editing capabilities that reflect back to the models because that's the way it should be done. Right. So if I had now my hat on, I would have just said, <laughs> that's a great project. Mm. Uh, all right, let's talk about AI because like, I mean, everyone is talking about AI these days and it's it's not really a wonder with all the breakthroughs we all witnessed in the last year, um, you know, and so do you think AI and particular generative AI, gen AI, like large language models, the GPTs of the world for text generation, and then also, of course, the diffusion models for image generation, like the DALI, mid-journey, stable diffusion, all of that, and now videos with runway, and also we are actually also build our own little video, text-to-video pipeline. Anyhow, and 3D is also coming, right? We already have some, some early versions of that we're seeing. Um, so what's your take? Will Gen AI play a vital role for the metaverse? And if so, how? Yeah, it will. And uh, that, that's what I've been thinking for, I don't know, since uh, for this year, for example. Because um, AI and the generative AI is going to make it easier with the no-code to expand the metaverse. You can, for example, if you want to meet people or have a specific location, you can create one. Uh, with your words in the future, not today, but in the future. So, so you can start creating content with the generative AI. It's going to be easier to, to make those words. And on the other hand, the generative AI is also giving us a new way to interact with the computer because they, we can start uh, speaking uh, in the world to the computer or Android or bot, whatever we are calling that, to the AI, and they can understand what we are saying for example hey let's do some changes to the model or put these notes in and and they can then give us replies back as well so we don't have to start try to type uh, when we are in the metaverse because typing with your headset on is not going to be easy so you need to have that voice uh, part there so, so i think there's two aspects of that one of the, one is the usability side 
uh, when you have voice-enabled environments and, and computer interfaces. And the other one is that with the AI, you can start generating content faster and testing things out a lot faster. And eventually, there will be a way to generate those words that look cool. Uh, but as you said, we are in the very early steps on generating 3D content with the generative AI. But it's happening all the time. And we are seeing things like if somebody takes a video, you can start to create the 3D environment out of that video. So the, uh, it will happen sooner than we actually think. And uh, so, so we just have to be ready for that. So, so that's what I think. AI and metaverse are match. And, and that, that's kind of, they, they are very tightly integrated in the future. Yeah. Uh, I can I can totally see that for content creation, right? It's like that's always the big challenge um, with especially with 3D content. You need, of course, a certain skill set to do 3D modeling. And now we can soon just type what we want, uh, describe what we want, and then it will generate a, a goodish model. Of course, you will still have 3D artists that will always do the best models and they will still be the people that are editing those. And that's that's also this kind of, Oftentimes a misconception, I would say, when people hear about all these breakthroughs, they're like the, especially here in Europe, I don't know how it is in Finland, but here in Germany, it's like a lot of people, uh, the, the second thought is then, oh, I'm going to lose my job. You know, that's always this kind of dystopian view and you know, this kind of pessimistic <laughs> view on things. Um, it's rather a tool. It's rather a tool mm -hmm. on a tool belt. And, you know, one of my friends, she's an artist, and I keep on telling the story oftentimes because it's, it's true, and it's also very much, I, I think, um, describing what we can do with this technology. Basically, um, she's she's using these tools already, and um, again, being an artist, she has an eye. She she knows what she wants, and she also knows how to describe it in a prompt. Because this is the second challenge: you gotta be a good prompt prompt exactly. engineer. Yeah, I, I'm going to squeeze in a bit because uh, what you said is absolutely true. People are afraid about what they don't really know. And people are afraid of the change. And the change is happening in a very, very fast pace today. And it is not going to get any easier. So the, your friend, as you described, she's doing a wonderful job. She's adopting those tools. She's learning how to use them to enhance her skills and, and make her job easier. And so she can concentrate on other parts. And that's what's going to happen for many people in creative industries. They need to adapt because if you are just doing the bulk stuff, yeah, it's going away because AI is going to be able to do a lot, most of that. But when you are taking it to the uh, one or two steps further, that's when your imagination and, and creativeness is, is coming to play. And, and so you can use that. The same thing for us, like when we are doing IT consulting for companies, there's going to be a co-pilot that's going to take care of the easy stuff. And so our, our AI is taking care of the easy parts of some coding or whatever. And low code is coming. You can describe something. But thing is that when we are learning those things, we know uh, better. We know about the tool. We know about the tech. We can take it a lot, uh, two steps further than the AI can do with the, like a kind of medium or media core uh, output it does. But that, that's one of those things I, I think about that people should stop being worried about the AI and start to love it. Uh, in that sense, embrace it and, and find a way how they can use it better and better because they are going to face that anyway. Yeah. And and sometimes you, 
sometimes I think, you know, all the, I mean, I like sci-fi movies, right? But sometimes I think all the sci-fi movies has, have kind of ruined the perception of a lot of folks, you know, it's like they're, because, you know, they see the, the like, the, the robots going to kill us and, and all of that kind of a stuff. I mean, surely, I mean, these AI models might be applied into uh, uh, sort of military stuff and uh, surely it's going to help. I mean, but that's what they, the military has been doing since ages, right? And so that's yeah. not that's not what we're going to see here and there will still be a human in control. That's the, the most important part is. Um, yeah. And, you know, for example, Microsoft also has this um, the studies they are releasing, the, the workplace um, study. What's the name of it? I forgot it. Um, uh, Work trend index. Work trend index, right? And they, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but basically, um, oh, I have it now. Basically, what they were saying is, um, there was one uh, one uh, interesting insight. I mean, there's always great insights in this work trend index, but one was that forty nine percent of people say they're worried AI will place their job, while at the same time, so forty nine, right? So less than. 50%, but still, of course, a lot of folks. I mean, of course, we, we get that. Um, so these are worried that AI will replace the job. But at the same time, 70%, 70% would delegate as, as much work as possible to AI to lessen their workloads. Yeah. Right. And I'm so much in that camp, right? Copilot, bring it on. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so much stuff we have to do every day. I'm really looking forward to use, I mean, I'm already using what is available, right? Every day the LLMs of the world and whatnot. But I mean, having that integrated with this Microsoft Copilot stuff, this is going to be just like magic. And, yeah, and it, it, for, for some people, it feels like magic. But uh, for us, of course, we just know, okay, we can really utilize that and make it look like a magic to others. But yeah, that, I'm waiting for that as well, because it's going to help uh, a lot of us in our daily works. And right. because we are using that a lot. Are we out of time? <laughs> we're running a little bit short on time um, because, you know, we want to try to keep it under 30 minutes here. Uh, but uh, last thing I wanted to ask you, uh, MetaWars One conference, can you just remind us about the dates? And it's online, right? And it's free so everyone can sign up. Yeah. Where would we do that? Yeah, exactly. Uh, MetaWars One is on September 20th. Uh, and it's, yes, it's free. It's online. It's happening through Teams, actually. So you will go to the metaverse-one.space and you can find the site with all the information. The scheduling is there. Of course, please sign up to the meetup as well so we know you are attending that. And uh, so let's have a very, very great experience for both attendees and speakers and everyone in there because I, I think it's going to be very, be very, very exciting day. It, it will be. I'm very much looking forward to that. And thank you so much, Vesa, for joining us today. Thank you, Renan. Thank you for inviting me. And thanks, everyone, for joining us for Meta Minutes, your bite-sized pieces of the Metaverse. Watch our blog, follow our social media, and subscribe to Reply Podcast channel um, in your favorite podcast platform, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Amazon Podcast. You can find it all over there. Um, subscribe to it for the audio portion. If you want to watch the videos, check it out on our reply.com website, where you can also find, of course, all previous episodes of season one, two, four. Take care and see you soon. And thank you so much. Bye-bye.